Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara and I am alongside uh, Matt Bowden and Robert Boley uh, from Jean d'Arc Credit Union up here in the Lowell area. Uh, just you know, just to mention again, we are pre-recording today. So if you have any questions, please shoot us an email, questions uh, at McNamaraonmoney.com uh, or you can, uh, if you are local, you can visit um you know, a, a Jean d'Arc Credit Union bank with any questions. And I know they have a website. It is jdcu.org. Is that right? Not .com, .org. Correct. Uh, which I should Correct. know because we, we covered that, uh, that you are a nonprofit institution uh, back in the first hour. So again, I wanted to thank you both for taking some time uh, today. And uh, let's, uh, I, I think I covered most of what I wanted to cover so, sort of about, about, you know, your services. Uh, let's get into... Uh, you know, I, I think obviously you're, um, you know, one of the things that does make uh, you different is, you know, kind of the, the involvement with the community and kind of the nonprofit nature of um, of your organization. So let's let's get into a bit more about that. Can you just give us, uh, you know, what is what is Jean d'Arc? Maybe generally, you know, for you specifically, and if you have any ideas, maybe about you know, sort of credit unions generally. But what are you doing in the community um, to try to, uh, you know, I, I guess it's it's basically just to give back, right? It's you know, this isn't uh, this isn't marketing disguised. You're actually out there doing good stuff for the community. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so why don't you tell us tell us something about, you know, either something that you have going on now or something you've done in the past, um, just to give folks an idea of what you're doing out there. Sure. I'll, I'll start Probably off. You want to try that one? Yeah. Yeah, I'll start it off. Um, so for me personally, I think it starts from the top, top down, to be honest. Um, you know, I... I I think I mentioned it earlier on, uh, but you know we're we're very the credit unions driven in you know giving back, and you know it's highly recommended. And it's not like hey go do this, and we're not going to you know our CEO, CFO, SVP of lending, you know everybody on the, the top level here at the credit union, they all volunteer and they're part of organizations. Um, and I'm sure Matt could probably attest to the same thing. Any any event I go to, somebody in that event knows my CEO or SVPs, any one of them. Um, and, you know, basically it trickles down and breaks down into the fact that we have a whole foundation built around the credit union for giving back um, and, you know, just looking at some of the, the brief figures that we have, I know in 2020, we gave or nearly, uh, I think it was $600,000 um, in charitable donations. Um, I think that was to almost 300 organizations. Um, and then we gave about $17,000 in scholarships. Oh, Nice. And then we also have a program that can be found right on our website. It's called Give a Click. Um, so basically what it is, you know, we'll, uh, we'll highlight three kind of local uh, organizations, charitable organizations, and people can visit the Give a Click website uh, through our website, like the Give a Click link through our website and okay. read up on the organization what they're all about and click on the website that they choose in that website. Um, I think that's quarterly, uh, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but they'll end up getting a check. Um, whichever organization gets the most clicks. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Good for you. Now, just, just, you know, so, so you have, is there someone at John Dark who is, you, you must have someone who's in charge of, do uh, you have like a full-time charitable person? I mean, because if you're giving away that kind of money to those number of organizations, you must be, you must have to yeah. develop some significant resources to it. Yeah, I think she's uh, double full-time. I think she does like 85 hours a week. Um, uh, Al- <laughs> Let's hope Allison she gets paid Hughes. for it. Yeah, <laughs> Allison Hughes. Yeah, she's uh She's great. She's another one that if you go to any, any event, somebody in the event knows her. Okay. Um, yeah. She just does the, the upper management, put her in the place for a reason. Cause she knows what she's doing and she does it like nobody else can. Uh, okay. So, so at the institutional level, you're essentially, you know, you're, you're doing a bunch of different charitable work through, you know, through, again, this looks like just, straight up gifts and, and grants to different organizations. And in addition to that, you said the employees are, are you uh, encouraged to do your own kind of, kind of thing as well? I mean, I, I know that I've, yeah. you know, I, I, 
you know, before my kids, uh, before my life got exceptionally busy with, uh, with a bunch of kids and now, and now two careers in our home, uh, you know, I, I did, um, I did rotary and we did have, uh, some folks, you know, from, from small local banks, credit unions, uh, that were, uh, that were a part of that as well. So is that, you know, is, are, are all the employees encouraged to do that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So look, all employees are encouraged to, you know, go out and volunteer, join boards. You know, I, I myself am on three different boards, two financial advisory committees and um, uh, part of Westford Rotary. Okay. And then, you know, I'll volunteer, you know, when I find the time, I'll, I have two little ones as well. So when yeah. I find in between work and the, the boards and stuff like that, I'll volunteer, <clears throat> you know, on the farm of local organizations like Mill City Grows um, or, you know, the food bank and Lowell and stuff like that. Okay. Matt, I'm sure Matt is, he can speak to how he volunteers as well. Cause I'm sure he does as well. Was Western Rotary the one with the, the pig and pepper fest? Was that you guys? I think that was, around the corner that was uh was that the littleton or was that Acton? okay yeah i don't I, yeah I, I forget i know i know i, I was chelmsford because our office uh appears we in chelmsford, we, so, yeah. we were known for the uh blues and brews event oh that's right that's that's what i was thinking of at neshoba all yeah. right all right we're, people, we're, people. we're known for the blues and brews event that we didn't do last year but uh yeah i know great great event great event though yeah all right terrific uh, all right, Matt, do you have anything you want to follow up on, on that side? Is it, um, anything that you, that you do specifically or, um, uh, that the, uh, that the institution does? Yeah. So to touch upon, you know, the fact that we encourage every employee to give back, um, you know, prior to the COVID pandemic, we had, asked each um, branch in, in our member experience department to kind of adopt a local organization and, and have the staff at each branch, uh, you know, volunteer together, not only for purposes of uh, benefiting that organization, which of course is paramount, but also it, it's a good way to team build too and, and get, you know, some folks more comfortable in going out into the community. And, you know, if they can do it with a coworker, it's, tends to be a little bit more attractive and, and, and certainly easier and just more fun. Um, so where I'm based in the Chelmsford branch, we had adopted the House of Hope in Lowell, and we were having volunteers go there once each month um, to do activities with the, the kids, you know, that are residents there, um, which was a nice program because they would, the, the House of Hope would bring in someone to do um, some kind of like educational seminar for the parents that live there. And, and then we would just kind of keep the kids distracted and, you know, do like arts and crafts with them or play a board game or something. But it, it was nice to do. Um, and, and they appreciated it so much, you know, to have the help because organizations like that are, you know, certainly they, they love to see people from local organizations come in and support their mission and, and what it is that they're trying to achieve. Um Robert, did, did you bring up Money Strong for Life Fair? I didn't, no, or Casual yeah. for Cause. Okay. Yeah, I was going to, I know, okay. I know, uh, yeah, before, so um, we, you also, I think, you know, per your website, you do, uh, you know, sort of events and seminars. Is that, 
is that what you're talking about here? I know you do. I don't know if that's a, uh, is that for members or if it's for the public? Why don't you talk a little bit about, um, you know, kind of your, your educational stuff? Cause it does look like you do some of that again per the JDCU.org website. So, yeah, we do offer, um, you know, like first time home buyer seminars, um, where, you know, we'll have a member from like our residential lending team, um, or a couple of folks from that department go and, and give a presentation to kind of prep people that are looking to get into the market to purchase their first home just so they can gather more information about the process. And, um, we offer a nice incentive, like a credit, um, toward the closing costs for those that attend. Um, and, and it's open to the public. I mean, certainly, you know, the information is free and we're glad to provide that to anybody who's interested in buying a home and helping people meet their financial goals. Um, but, you know, for those that did then apply afterward, they, they'd have to become a member for, for us to fund the loan. Um, okay. But anybody can participate in the seminar, absolutely. Um, and then the, the event that I had asked about, just I, I didn't, sorry, I didn't catch if, if Robert mentioned it, but we also, pr prior to the coronavirus pandemic, we had um, what we call a Money Strong for Life Fair. Uh, Money Strong is a concept that Jundark um, has used to not only brand certain products of ours, um, such as credit cards, you know, for first-time borrowers and auto loans, personal loans for those that are either first-time borrowers or maybe somebody looking to kind of clean up their credit. But um, it, it's a concept that we also, you know, preach being money strong, being financially well and capable and knowledgeable to really all ages of our membership, it, you know, starting with the youth um, and, and the fairs that we run, the Money Strong for Life fairs, we were doing at Lowell High School and Drake at High School. Um, and we would have employees volunteer, you know, take time out of their day to go and basically be like a financial coach. And it was a really neat idea where we would assign each student um, a job uh, at random. We would tell them whether they owned their home or rented, whether they took public transportation or had a car, maybe had children or, or not. And then they would kind of visit all of the the different booths and, uh, you know, get the ability or have rather have the opportunity to make some like real life financial decisions to, to kind of test it out and better prepare them for when they'll have to actually do that when it really matters. You know, it, it's in a consequence free uh, gymnasium or strongest <laughs> arena environment. But, um, you know, it, it's good life experience to be able to introduce some of those concepts to the students at an early age where they might not have otherwise had the opportunity to, to learn about that sort of thing or, or really had the need for it. Um, but again, we, we've had to postpone those just during, you know, COVID with concerns about transmission, et cetera. Yeah. So hopefully we'll be able to resume those, you know, in relatively short order. I know certain things are starting to open back up. So, yeah, let's hope, yeah, let's, and let's hope they continue. That's funny that you mentioned that, you know, we do, uh, and I should say we, it's, it's primarily, um, Alyssa from our office. She, you know, she does for Marshfield high school. She, you know, we call it a, a smart with money fair and it's essentially the same idea. And, you know, so, so, I mean, kudos to you for doing that. 
uh, you know, we at McNamara Financial know from experience that it's, uh, you know, th- those are those are a lot of work. You know, I know that, you know, maybe I don't know if parents show ever show up, but if, if you've ever um, seen one of those, uh, the the amount of work that goes into them as far as, you know, pulling all the booths together and, and all the organization that goes into it, uh, you know, there's there's certainly a bunch of time and money um, that goes into those events. And uh, so good to you for, you know, for doing that. We, we do one for, uh, you know, for, for just for one school market. Field high uh, once per year, and uh, and there's a bunch of energy, but yeah, I, I think certainly worth it uh, because it's you know a lot of money, you know, kind of money and finance isn't in a lot of curriculum um, at at schools, and so a lot of times you, you get folks getting out of high school or college without a lot of experience. So uh, good on you for uh, for doing that, and, and we certainly support it obviously because we run one as well. Again, yeah, and again, thing uh, same same pre-COVID and hopefully we get back to it uh, when, when the real world returns, uh, whenever that may be. Um, all right. You know, just briefly on your, you know, so the, the seminars that you hold, do you, have a, do you have a set schedule? Is that something that you would do on a regular basis? Is it a physical location? I mean, I, I assume it was, I assume it was in person pre-COVID anyway. And do you have, you know, a, a schedule throughout the year that, that folks can go on your website and check out, or is it just, you know, you, you, you know, there's nothing set in stone and we just, uh, you know, you just email out whenever, whenever you decide to have one. I know we post the schedules on our website. Um, they, I think they tend to be seasonal. It, n- not necessarily that we only do it in certain seasons, but like they, you know, we might post like several dates at a time. And then once those, conclude we'll then list a few other ones i'm not sure if we went virtual um like during 2020 and and the beginning of this year Um, they they certainly historically had always been in person at our headquarters in lowell okay Um, Okay, certainly anytime new ones become available those, those are shared on our website okay terrific and and what are are they you know, we at McNamara Financial, you know, we'll, we'll do one on Social Security and on, uh, you know, and and Medicare. You know, we do one of those once a year just because that's that's the kind of thing that our average client. Right. I mean, we're talking, you know, people who are, you know, are, are a lot of people who are either pre-retirees or thinking about retirement. Uh, so we'll run those annually. Or do you have a set list of topics? Right. Obviously, you know, home purchase. Is there other stuff that folks might look for in the future from you as far as content? No, we also had done a retirement planning one in the past. Um, okay. Robert, do you recall any of the other topics we had? I don't. I know our financial uh, education team, um, they go out and they do a lot of events. Like I know they, they've went to uh, when it was, what, Kronos before and and talk to people over there and i know uh that team would go out and do a lot i don't know specifically what events like i know they and matt kind of alluded to it they'll go to schools and teach like kids classes in schools um i know uh they run the big events that matt spoke of but i don't know the specific like okay list of classes that they they do i know they have a huge curriculum yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I just didn't know if you had, if, if it was sort of set things that folks would look, look for, or if it was more generic, it sounds like you do a bunch of different types of stuff, which is good. Uh, yeah. All right. Terrific. All right. What else? For example, do we, have? we also offer, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I just looked, 
we, we offer like a fraud awareness one. I, I just peeked on the website to see what else there might be available. And, and it looks like those are being offered um, via Zoom, which is nice. So people don't necessarily have to come out if they're not comfortable doing so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good for you. That's right. Well, yeah, I, I have your, I had your FAQ on your website up here. So maybe I can, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll check that out as well. In case there's anything I would think we, we, we can cover here. We only have, we don't have too, too much uh, longer yet before here at the end of this segment. Um, do you have anything, you know, I, I guess I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, technology is sort of changing everything and this may be, maybe a little bit, um, maybe a little big picture, but um, have you, I guess how how is a small bank with physical locations, you know, is are, are you sort of under pressure from uh, you know from from you know the the revolution in in software and I guess I I, I sort of worry about 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 local banks and I'm and I'm not sure if if you know in in 20 years there there won't be any branches anywhere and everything will be online. Is that something that you would John Dark maybe maybe not you particularly, but are you worried about that? Are you confident that you're that you're still going to be here, or do you still get good foot traffic and branches? I guess I could, you know, just speak to your experience, if any, um, as far as kind of what's changing as the world is changing. And I'm sure you're you're, you know, working on your technology to keep up. But uh, do you think are things different now than they were, say, five or ten years ago, in in your specific industry, say, in a in a relatively small credit union? Either one of you. Anyone have an answer? Yeah, I think tr- so. In-person traffic is certainly on a downward trend, um, you know, over the last five, ten years or so. Um, we do still have some of our branches, though, that are seeing, you know, very high volumes and and are constantly busy. Members coming in from, you know, whether it's teller transactions or they just need a new debit card or <laughs> want to open a savings account. I'm, I don't really think anytime soon that we would, you know, not entertain the idea of having branches staffed with real people, you know, and just by comparison, I have heard of some institutions that are changing. I don't know if it's all of their branches, but certainly some, and and they're going with, you know, interactive teller machines, like like an ATM with a, a video screen where somebody in call center type atmosphere can interact with the customer or the member, um, you know, through that terminal. Um, I, I don't think that's something we're actively looking to do, though we do embrace technology. Um, and certainly we have a lot of neat services that are available just to make transactions more convenient for our members. And, and I'm sure that has played a role in why um, in-person transactions are a little bit um going downward uh you know for example we have through our website members can open new accounts and then once members within that portal they can deposit checks remotely Um, we have a feature called deposit anywhere where you know members can use the camera in their phone take a picture of a check and, and make the deposit to their account that way um we're compatible with you know services like apple pay and google pay um and we just recently rolled out with our with our core conversion um, this technology called Verifast, which was recommended to us by our new vendor. And it's it's a uh, it's a biometric system where just like today, people unlock their phones with a fingerprint or or maybe their face ID. Members can now we have 
palm scanners at the teller counter. And if, you know, any member is comfortable signing up for the services, you know, certainly optional, um, we can store their palm vein information. And then rather than having to show us a license anytime they want to do a transaction, they can actually scan their palm and it will call up their info on the screen for the employee that's helping them out. Um, so, I mean, we, we do certainly love to be able to take advantage of any technological advances like those that are going to make the experience better, more efficient, more accurate for our members. Okay, fantastic. Robert, what about you? Are you, are you, do you have, cons- you know, as sort of a, as the guy who uh, is, is focused on business lending, are you concerned about, uh, you know, a Silicon Valley firm who is just, you know, using algorithms to, to take over all the all local lending? Or are you, are you still seeing a good volume of, of local business? Is, has that been changing for you? And again, forgive me, I, I didn't actually ask you how long you've been kind of in your current position. But I, I know it's, you know, again, as someone who consumes, you know, a lot of financial media, that's something that comes up a fair amount with, you know, with, with FinTech and disruption and all that good stuff. Do you want to r- respond to that? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. The, you know, there's always, you know, we're smaller, so we could always lose deals. Um, you know, I, I, I think the area that might be targeted most where we might maybe lose some initiatives to, to bigger financial institutions because their outreach uh, uh, would be with the CNI lending um, because they create, like you said, algorithm or scoring model. What is CNI? Just so, just so. Oh, excuse me. So commercial industrial lending, smaller like equipment loans and, and, you know, fast kind of turnaround uh, loans where, you know, might be a loan or equipment, something like that. Um, because, you know, th- there's a lot of systems that have, like you said, algorithms built in where you could get a turnaround time in 24 hours or within like 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, and but but also, again, that kind of, you know, uh, double edged sword kind of you get that 10 minute uh, response, but you get a 12.99 interest rate tied to yeah. it those institutions because they give you that fast turnaround time where you know you you work with somebody like us you're going to take a little bit longer you might be two three four days maybe for underwrite and and you know to get get the loan but um you know you're paying market uh rates compared to uh you know six percent above or whatnot uh for that fast turnaround time but other than that um you know i i, I really don't feel like it's changing it uh, per se for business itself just because i feel like most uh, you know business owners you know and this could change in the future because it has changed a little bit i guess but yeah like most business owners and most business people they still prefer a handshake they still prefer the in-person yeah. meetings and you know they like to put a face to the the banker they're going to be working with or the financial advisor they're going to be working with or yeah. you know hey um this is the person that's giving me my money or is going to see all my information i want to see them and talk to them before i just go into business with them yeah um, all right well hey as, so, as a as a small business, uh, you know, I, I, I think I think you're right, and I and I hope you are as well. Um, you know, actually, we're we're just about out of time here, so I'm going to let you you both go. I want to thank you both very much uh, for joining us uh, again, uh, Matt Bowden and Robert Bowley from Jean Dark 
Credit Union. If you have any questions, you can shoot me an email and I'll forward on to them. Uh, questions at McNamaraonmoney.com and we will be right back. Are you ready to get organized? Let's consolidate those old accounts and make sure your investment strategies are appropriate. This is Kirk Reed, a certified financial planner with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Find out more at McNamaraFinancial.com. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara. Uh, now alongside Michael McNamara, who's filling in for our last segment here. Thank you very much to Matt and Robert for our uh, for their information on uh, on on local credit unions and bank status. I know you, I know you missed that, but we had a good time talking about local business. Um, now you're uh, now you're 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 pulled in from the bullpen here. So why don't we? Uh, I'll let you introduce it. We're talking we're talking bear markets. I heard you uh, you read an article here, so you and you wanted to inform the people and, and pass along some knowledge. I did. That that's generally what we're supposed to be doing, right? <laughs> that's right. Like I guess that? that is right. Yeah. 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 We, yeah. Okay. We so read anyway, and stay informed and, and pass along the important bits. Yeah, and we try to try to do it in English so people can understand it and actually apply it in their real life. That's what that's what I'm very proud of, my son. You know, so you can thank me at the end. Okay. All right, we'll All do. Right. <laughs> okay, so so here's the here's the deal. It's it's pretty uncomplicated. Uh, we are having a wonderful wonderful stock market for the last year, two, three, depends on how you want to count. How are we ever? Five. Make it five. Yeah, yeah. By the way, in our business, uh, you know, Justin, as you well know, if if markets go higher, it's not that we're smart managing money. It's the markets go higher. But if they go lower, it's our fault. That's just kind of how it works, right? No, no that's, I'm kidding, folks. But anyway, all right. So the the short story is we've had a, a rather historic stock market uh, for the last few years. It it, it was interrupted by a corona hiccup or, yep. or a corona crash as it's known in 2020 and believe it or not folks the united states stock market went down 34 percent in like 29 days okay uh in in basically a february and march of 2020 so we had a terrible stock market in in 2020 but it happened so fast people didn't even have chance to check their statements to see that it was going on sort of a thing. So, so I'm not going to count that. And they were busy worrying about other things, right? Yeah, Yeah. they, they sure were with COVID and stuff like that. So, so forgetting about the, the Corona crash, as I think it's now being known, or in my, my opinion, the Corona hiccup, if you look back literally for the last eight or 10 years, this is going back to 2009, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, We've had a pretty wonderful chugging along kind of a stock market. And uh, that's this just been delightful. Well, in in, in the stock market world, uh, it doesn't go always straight up. Uh, and the, the longer it goes straight up, the closer we get to the next time it's going down for a while. And that's kind of the, the, the gist of this particular segment. Folks, we're going to have another stock market down, whether you call it a crash, whether you call it uh, an end of the world or whether you call it a bad market or whatever you call it, okay, markets don't go straight up forever and they from time to time go back down again and we're we're getting near one of those. So I just want to kind of get people thinking about that and kind of being prepared for it. That's all. Okay so far? Okay with that, yeah. All right. I can I can I can say with um, you know we I've been spending a lot of time trying to uh, 
you know, get people to understand that, you know, while great markets, I've been most, mostly been managing expectations, I think, for most of my meetings for the past, I don't know, maybe six months or so, because the markets have been on such a run uh, that yep. we do want to make sure that we, we keep people, um, you know, keep people ready for potential volatility because it's always around the corner. It, it, it's always going to come. And, and folks, you know, I'll get to some averages here in a few moments, but, you know, uh, well, I, I can get to an average right now. So, Justin, uh, we're, we're going to count a bear market as when the United States stock market goes down at least 20 okay? percent. OK, that's that's All the right. definition. OK, that, that's uh, that's the working definition right now. Yep. Uh, and, and there are several charts that we could refer to. But basically, if you if you round it off to 20 percent, I've got a couple of minus 19 twos and 19 fours that I included in here. So okay. so that 20 percent might include a couple of 19.5s or 19s along the line. OK, uh, take a guess about how many of those 20 percent uh, downs we've had since 1946. Oh, man, 1946, uh, 20? 16. Oh, that's it, huh? Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm looking at them right here. Okay, so so by the way... If so that's one to, every three-ish years? Uh, no, no, probably yeah, not quite, okay. You're, you're, you're almost there. Yeah. Okay, yep, okay, so, um, so, so the bottom line... Don't tell me that dog is going to start playing with a toy in the background <laughs> while I'm on the radio here. Please. We are pre. We are. This is this is the uh, the downside of pre-recording, right? Cindy never brings in a dog. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. You uh, can let I, him I, in and whine. I'm sure. I'm sure people would love to hear him. You know. Well, uh, I I guess he's okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry about that, folks. Uh, this is uh, broadcasting from home. But anyway, okay. Uh, so so first of all, the uh, the take a guess. So there's been 16 of them. Case, yep. take take a guess at the longest one in terms of how long it goes. Oh, I think I know this. Is it 30 months? 36.5 oh, months. Yeah, and that's that, a long that time. was back in that was back in 46. Oh, OK. 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 I was OK. And, and the shortest one was 1.2 months. And that was back in <laughs> yeah. 1920. OK, so 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 the longest we've ever had, folks, is 36 and a half months. But back in 2020, the, you mean 2020 yeah, just now? Yeah. 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 Uh, and so. If you go way back to 1946 and you look at all 16 of those, there have been only two that lasted more than 21 months. Okay. All right. I'm going someplace with this. That's 1946. Okay. And then I assume and the, 2000. the 2000 one. You got it. Yep. Okay. So, yep. so in the 16 bear markets, okay, only two of them have gone longer than 21 months. Okay. Uh, take a guess at what the average of all those numbers is in terms of number of months. Well, uh, okay. It has to be more than 12. Oh, oh, the number of months. Uh, average, average duration of the, la of the 16 since 1946. 13 months. Absolutely on the nose. You I'm cheating? sure you, I'm, you know, you probably asked me this question before. I'm sure we, okay. All right. <laughs> I get a lot of quizzes so, from you. So, so folks kind of understand that on average, these, I call them temporary downturns because that's what they've always been. They've gone back up again. Okay. But on average, these temporary downturns or these crashes or these hiccups or whatever you want to call them last about 13 months. By the way, in our world, 13 months might seem like forever, but in the scope of your lifetime, folks, it, 13 months is not a long time. And I want to make that point. Okay. So, uh, 
take a guess, okay, at the average up market in the last, how long that runs in the last basically yeah. 75 years. I'll say five years. 43 months. Oh, that's pretty close. No, actually, no. 43 right. months. Okay. So, yeah, three, uh, three and a half years-ish. Okay. Okay. So, so folks, if we're talking averages and if we exclude the two longest ones, which are not very frequent, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at tw 12 or 13 months of an average downtime going forward for however long you may live. Okay. And, and on average, okay, th th there's at least a 20% drop. By the way, take a guess if I average all the ups and downs. Okay. So we got an average time about 13 months. We got an average time for number market about 43. Okay. Uh, take a guess about the average percentage down. By the way, so you want to start off with the biggest? We had it in 2000, minus 57. Yep. Okay. Oh. So, uh, okay, but th there's been a, remember, we're using 20% as the smallest number. So if you average those 16 bad times, literally for the last 75 years, what's the average down? Oh, man. 35. 30. Oh, okay. All right. So, folks, here's, here's just some easy numbers to remember. A, a downtime on average is probably going to last 12, 13 months. Okay, uh, and you may see a drop of thirty percent in the stock market. Not By necessarily way, folks, your portfolio, right? That, yep. that, th thank you, thank you for qualifying <laughs> that. Just because the stock market goes down thirty-four percent doesn't mean your investments go down, because we don't know what percentage you have in the stock markets, and and hopefully you do, sort of a thing. But anyway, so those are kind of those are the kind of the the, the 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 things I want people to think about. Well, okay, so. What are we going to do about the next one? Well, the, the first the first thing people kind of have to understand is that you cannot know when that downturn is going to come. It's not it's not predictable. Okay, uh, and people, oh, the stock market's high. I know it's going down, folks. Nobody, nobody, nobody knows the future. Okay, and when it goes down, okay, is nothing, okay, that you can bet on and be right. By the way, okay, uh, if you went with your feelings, you're in trouble in the investment world. But by the way, the market's been high for the last 12 years. If you thought that 12 years ago and decided to get out, you just missed 11 years of a heck of a stock market. So the, yeah. the, the, the next major point I want to make is that you have to understand, folks, that you don't know when they're going to come, but you can be prepared for them. Okay. If you start thinking about when they're going to come and all that stuff, you're going to be wrong, folks. Okay, that's just how it's going to be. Or you might be right the first time, but you'll be wrong the second or the third time sort of a thing. So if you believe that, then you have a chance at making some pretty decent money for the rest of your life, or at least that's a start. Okay. Yeah. We've been All we've right. been hearing about the, the overvalued market since, uh, I don't yeah. know, since 2016, probably. <laughs> that, 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 that's correct. And, yeah. and there are and there are some financial pundits that have been telling us we're going to have a bad market for the last 10 years sort of a thing. So really just kind of depends on things right okay yep. yeah, right. it's very, so, very hard to predict yeah yeah okay so 
So, you know, what, what do you do? Okay, well, I'm going to skip to the end, and then I'm going to go back and kind of defend the end and explain it again at the very end. How's that sound? Okay. okay. So, so the, okay, the it sounds big, a little confusing. Uh, it is. Well, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to try to make that not so. Okay. So, folks, here are the things they have to remember, and I'm going to explain them in a bit more detail when we get a little further downstream here, but the way that you can deal with with bad markets is to have enough time to get through them and wait for the next good market to come to bail you out. Okay. So, so the things that you need going for you are that you know that you can't time it, but you can try to prepare for it. Okay. You, you know that the longer you can invest, the better your odds are. And I'm going to get into some statistics about that in a little while. Yep. Okay. So time plenty of it and the more you have the better patience a very hard thing for uh, anybody to do in in this uh i want it now kind of world with time and patience <laughs> and by the way diversification folks if you have a 50 percent stock and a 50 percent bond strategy and the u.s stock market goes down 30 percent on average your account's not going down 30 it's probably going down 15. It's a little easier to get out of a 15% hole than it is a 30% hole. And by the way, it probably won't even go down 15 because people will be buying some of your bonds to hopefully offset that. So, so understand that the stock market stuff I'm talking about only has application if all of your money is 100% invested in the U.S. stock market. That wouldn't be a very wise thing to begin with, but we're just making the point here, okay? Right. So time, patience, and a very diversified portfolio. We can get to that in a little while. Okay. And then the, the really important thing, okay, is that if you're not yet retired, you have to have some money someplace else for emergencies so that if we have a bad stock market and bad things happen like, oh, I lost my job or this, that, or the other thing, if you have some available cash that you can use for emergencies and you don't have to touch your investments, okay, that's like the rule. That's like the first commandment. Okay. You, you have to, you have to have enough financial security with what we would call an emergency reserves account so that you can afford to invest money and not have to take it at the wrong time. Cause you don't have any emergency reserves. Okay. Right. I think that's, so, I mean, that's, that's the, the, the whole point of, you know, the, the point that you made about time and patience is, well, you have to give yourself time, right? You have an emergency right. reserves account just purely because you need to have the time in order for, for your investment strategy to go right. It's not, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, the worst thing you can do is take money out in, in a down market. And uh, if you have enough time to, if you have enough flexibility to get through that market, then you don't have to worry and you, and you therefore buy yourself the time, right? You may not have the patience yep. or, or you may have to work on that, but at least you have the time. <laughs> yeah. And, and thus the preparedness that I'm yep. talking about, you can prepare for that folks. Well, let's see, why should I have, you know, $25,000 in the bank? How much money will you lose if you're unemployed for six months? Okay. If you're unemployed for six months and had a big emergency reserve, you wouldn't have to crash your 401k and pay taxes and penalties and shoot your retirement plan on the foot. Okay. So, so the, the, one of the secrets to living through this is to have enough liquidity in the form of emergency reserves so you don't have to touch some of your investments. Okay. Now I yep. said I said for people who are not yet retired, okay, that that applies double 
for people who are retired. Okay, if you are retired, folks, number one, we hope you have an emergency reserves account. But when you're taking money out of your portfolio, you're more vulnerable to downturns than when you're not. And let's face it, most retired folks are taking some money out of their portfolio. So the trick is to also have some liquidity in your retirement plan in addition to your emergency reserves. In, in our practice, if somebody's taking $1,000 a month from their retirement plan, that's $12,000 a year. We would generally say, we think it's a good idea that you have $24,000 in cash in your retirement plan. We call it a bucket in our practice. And so if you had $24,000 in your retirement plan and you were taking checks for $1,000 a month, well, I guess you could wait two years for a market to recover because you bought the time. And I just told you the average is half that, about 13 months. So so being liquid okay, in the form of emergency reserves, and if you're taking money from your portfolio, even being more liquid with some reserves inside your retirement plans, that gives you the ability to wait for things to get better. I'm going to take a breath. Am I doing okay here so far, son, or what? Uh, you're doing just fine, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, okay. I think it's it's – yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's the same principle, right? It's the same principle that we're using with an emergency reserves account that we are using in retirement income, except it's it's very much more it's more structured as a, in a retirement income portfolio because you are you know you know at least hopefully you know in advance okay well I'm going to take out this amount of money over this period of time and so you can sort of build that into a program as opposed to just saying hey here's my here's my emergency fund over here i'm going to leave it and it just sort of stays there and i and i keep it full but yeah I, yep yeah, Justin, that comes under the head. Being prepared. They should know yep. how much they're going to take. Therefore, you can prepare for it. Okay. Okay, fo folks, you can't know, but you can prepare and be okay. That, that That's the, the moral of this little segment. And it's not rocket science. Okay. There's some basic things that, that you can do that we've been talking about. Okay. So, so just to kind of reiterate before I go back to some statistics. Okay. You can't know when it's going to go up or down. So get over that and just deal with the fact by, but you can be prepared for it. And, and the components of being prepared for it, pr pretty, pretty simple conceptually, the longer time you have to invest, the less the risks are, because over the very long term, the stock market always go up goes up. So you just have to, are you ready for this, Jess? Ride the wave. Okay. On, right. that, big, on that big stock. I heard that today in an advertisement. <laughs> so I'm, I'm stealing that, but you have were they, to. Were they saying it in a good way or a bad way? <laughs> I'm not touching that. But anyway, if you're prepared to ride the wave, All right. there's going to be some hiccups every once in a while. And, and the more time you're on that surfboard, the better it is. Sort we'll of have to, we'll have to move to the outer cape and just yeah, tell I, people to ride the yeah, wave, man. I, I, I got to <laughs> I got to work on that. Okay. But anyway, so time. Okay. And by the way, let's see, I'm 50 years old. How much time do I have? Well, how long is the rest of your life going to be? That's how much time. So, so, it, you know, time is something that we all have, regardless of how old we are. And obviously it diminishes as you get older, but I'll get yep. to how long you need to invest in a little while here. Okay. So time, patience, very hard for us. You got to wait things out, and you know, soon the world's going to get better. I think the good the good news on patience is that for most folks, they uh, I think I think the average person probably feels like retirement is forever away, right? Even even yeah. if it's 
you know, even if it's 10 years away, right. And you're, yeah. and you're maybe technically a pre-retiree. Uh, you know, I think a lot of folks that, that I talk to and, and a lot of the reasons why sometimes people are, are behind on saving for retirement, uh, maybe, you know, into their late twenties, early thirties, even forties is because it's so far away. So, you know, time is, is, is on your side with retirement savings. And so hopefully that will help with, uh, with some of the patients piece. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so basically, so that's the secret folks ride the wave and those are the things they have to do, but, now I'm going to hop back and I'm going to go That's over a, positive a few more. Spin on it. You, you like that? Ride the waves. Okay. Uh, and, and truly, folks, the longer you have, the easier the game of investing gets. Absolutely. Okay. So let me kind of go back and talk about some more particulars about that, my son. Okay. So, so well, you know, how long do you need? to invest your money. You know, when somebody walks in our door and says, I've got some money, you know, how, you know, how long do I have to be able to let this money invest to be, to work and be okay? Well, so let's, let's just go with the averages for a minute here. If on average, the market goes down for 13 months, and if on average it goes back up for 43 months, well, let's round it off and call it one year and four years for, for government work here. Okay. Yep. So, so on, on, in, on a big, and by the way, the one year. Yeah. So, so on average, okay. You got to have at least a five-year time frame. And by the way, that five-year time frame assumes that you started at the bottom of a market and wrote it up to the top and back down again. So, so what, what you need to do, folks, is you need a minimum of 10 years, okay, to, to, to go through two up markets and two down markets because you never know what market you're in when you start. Okay, when, when, you, when you put your money to work, if it's at the bottom of a, a market and, and it's truly as low as it's going to go, well, how many people get lucky enough to make their investments at the very bottom and ride that first, uh, that, that four years all the way up, Just Yeah. Not, not everybody, right? Okay. Right. You know, what, what happens, folks, if you put your money to work at the very end of that four-year market and all of a sudden you have a ride down for a year? Okay, so, you know, the, the five years, you need at least twice that to kind of be able to ride the wave long enough to get through a couple of ups and a couple of downs. If you started in a down, you might, if you started at the top of an up market, you might need eight or 10 years to get back and get ahead of the game just based on the way that the ups and downs of the markets go. Okay, so so the bottom line is, and I, I think the, the numbers I'm looking at basically say at least 10 years you need to, to make that okay, because that gives you a chance to start at the wrong time. If you start at the very top of an up, well, then you're going to have a down and up, a down and an up, and it's going to take a little bit longer to get back to square one. If you started at the very bottom of a down, then you're a lot you're a lot quicker out of the blocks and your averages are going to look better. And maybe that's five or six or seven years before things look good. So folks, it takes at least five and probably 10 and maybe longer years to, to get comfortable and to see how this stuff works. And, and that's just how it is. The, 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 those are the numbers. Okay. Uh, there had been a couple of times. I think, I think we should, yeah. I just want to clarify that's, that's sort of yeah. maybe, maybe at, 
at the, I mean, to get used to the process, yeah. certainly you do have to go through a couple of ups and downs. You know, yep. not everyone who's who's starting out investing is going to need, you know, is going to need ten years before they're, you know, before yep. they're even in making money, right? Right, right. A lot of folks yep. will start at a great time and and kind of get used to the process, or maybe maybe they'll have a bear market early on, and and that'll yep. help. But yep. we're just talking about, uh, I think, a to get a real comfort level. And, you know, we can see this, you know, with, with a difference between a beginner investor who's just starting out, you know, saving for retirement or, or just maybe inherited yeah. some money for the first time. Yeah. Um, there's there's certainly a different vibe that they that, that our conversations give off, you know, in year one than there are in year 10. Right. It's, yeah. you, get, you get used to it more. And, uh, you know, frankly, it's just I, I would say people get more almost more aggressive as time goes on, uh, which doesn't always you know, sync up with their, with their, maybe their age and their potential income needs. But, you know, yep. as you get older and get more used to it, you certainly have a, a much higher comfort level with the ups and the downs. Yep. And, and by the way, there can be a 10 or 12 year period where you get very little return in the stock market. Sure. We had yep. one, we had one of those starting in about 2000 through 2009, the, the, you know, that, that, that decade was pretty much a zero or a negative return on the stock market, folks. Okay, so so that's what you need to do is you need to give it that time. By the way, I got one quick time period. Justin, uh, from approximately August of 98 till approximately December of 18, okay, for that, that's the longest stretch, okay, uh, that you needed to do to kind of average a reasonable return during a, during a couple of bad markets because that included the mess in 2002 and then, and then the mess in 2007, 8, 9. Okay. By the way, if, if, you, if you hung around for that miserable 20 years, okay, you ended up with a 65 or 7% return on the stock market, which wasn't great, but it certainly wasn't zero. So we're just about out of time here, but I, I think I've made the point. The point is you can certainly earn money in, inside of eight or 10 years, but you should plus, probably plan to be invested for at least eight or 10 years. And hopefully a lot of people out there listening to us have a whole lot more than 10 years or 12 years to invest for the rest of their lives to make it work. Okay. So yeah. very quickly, you can't time it folks. Okay. <laughs> you need time. And the longer you do this, the longer you're a veteran of riding the wave, the easier it gets. You have to be patient. It's hard. You should be diversified with other investments so it's not quite as exciting. And you need to be liquid to buy time to get through the downturns without touching your money and having to sell stocks when they're down because that's a no-no. Uh, I think I'm about out of bullets, my son. You got any uh, things to add to that? I get, we're getting pretty close here anyway, aren't we? Yeah, we should be. We should yeah. be uh, be going here pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, I I just wanted to follow up and say, you know, that that lousy 20 years that you uh, that particular time period that you pulled out and, and made reference to where you earn six and a half or seven percent per year. That's I, I think that's a, actually almost a fairly reasonable return going forward. Right. I mean, you know, anytime right. you're starting from high <laughs> from a right. from a high valuation, uh, all else being equal, uh, you know, the future returns are more than likely going to be lower. So we're actually telling folks to, uh, to to maybe get used to probably lower equity market returns anyway. And, and yeah, that, and that, we're that, guessing that, seven yeah. to nine percent with our clients. And by the way, that's where we get that seven from. If yeah. you got 20 years of the worst can do is seven you're probably going to be okay you know what i mean okay all right all right well hey let's wrap it up there uh thanks for thanks for uh, filling in here and i wanted to you know thanks again to uh to matt and robert and uh, jean dark credit union for coming on here and 
uh, and helping us out and, and keeping us informed on local banking and all that good stuff. So, uh, all right, everybody, we're going to get out of here. We will talk to you next week. Thank you.